I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's gotta be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother, uh, my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of Fox. Light bulb moment, like that's a complete game changer. You can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 look so much different than it did back that long ago. And boil it down into one say, it's quite simply this, it's be stronger, live better longer. Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, the podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. My name is Jim Shear, and today my co-host is Fox physical therapist and lymphedema specialist, Elizabeth Garfield. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Jim. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Now, you work in our Virginia North One region, correct? That is correct. And can you give everyone a little uh, geographic lesson right now? What is uh, what is involved in Virginia North One? Cities, towns? I treat in Loudoun and Fairfax County. So that includes Sterling, Virginia, uh, Reston, Great Falls, Deanna Herndon, sometimes McLean. All right. So right now, someone from Virginia is listening and they're like, oh, yeah, I know where she treats. OK, I get it. <laughs> so now you know where Elizabeth Garfield roams. So today we are going to talk about lymphedema and how it can increase fall risk. So before we begin, I need you to create a quick glossary for us. So let's basically start with what is edema. The old school of thought was that um, edema was considered more acute, like after you, you know, sprain your ankle, you would get a, an acute fluid around the ankle. It was considered mostly a water component, whereas lymphedema was thought to be different than edema. It was thought to be more chronic and more of a collection of protein-rich fluid proteins consisted of like broken down blood cells or, or debris, uh, waste products in the body. So you sent me an article and it said, all edema is lymphedema. And then within the article, it said that was a controversial statement. So why is that a controversial statement? All edema is lymphedema. Well, it's controversial because it recognizes that our medical system is really behind in science. Lymphedema is currently taught using the concept of Starling's Law, which was basically developed in the 1800s. Yes, the 1800s. <laughs> and we're still teaching this concept now. And this concept tells us that the veins and the arteries are the most significant part of our circulation system and it puts the lymphatic system on the sidelines and doesn't recognize the importance of the lymphatic system. New research that has been done in the 90s um, has shown this now, to be- Now, 1990s or 1890s? <laughs> Luckily, 1990s, <laughs> 1990s. Yeah, so it shows that all edema, all fluid in the body is circulated through the lymphatic system. Then that makes sense to me. All edema is lymphedema. So when someone's ankle swells, 
fluid goes in through the lymph nodes, right? Yes. And then it go, it's, it's supposed to go out. And the reason it swells is because that fluid is trapped, correct? Well, it swells because the body's trying to heal. So the body brings nutrients and an acute injury to bring nutrients to the body to allow healing to occur. You know, it can get trapped for other reasons. Fluid can get trapped for reasons such as um, obesity, a sedentary lifestyle, a history of infections or blood clots, or a venous reflux where the veins, the valves in your veins do not meet and they are distended. Now, how does it affect mobility? Often, lymphedema can get trapped around the ankle, around the malleoli, the ankle, and the forefoot. And that can certainly make gait and balance a problem. So is it painful for the person who has edema? Now, should I call it edema or lymphedema? Let's call it lymphedema because we want to incorporate the lymphatic system. We want to recognize that. We want to shout out the lymph nodes. Very important. That's correct. So when someone has lymphedema, let's say their ankle swells. Does it hurt for them to walk on or is it just kind of a nuisance because the ankle is larger than normal? Usually lymphedema, you know, especially the chronic kind is usually not painful. Sometimes patients will say the leg feels heavy, um, but then what can occur that can become problems or when lymphedema is not treated, it can become infected and it can cause wounds. Okay. So how do you treat lymphedema? So the gold standard for treating lymphedema is called complete decongestive therapy, and it's four components. So the first component is called manual lymphatic drainage. The lymphatic system is literally right underneath the skin. So the lymphatic system is actually considered to be a functional component of the skin. So manual lymphatic drainage, or MLD, is when you stretch the skin distally to proximally or like from the ankle, stretching the skin up toward the kidneys. And so this creates a vacuum and allows the proteins and the, and the water component to move up toward the kidneys and to be excreted. Wow. So when you're doing this, does someone have to be in a certain position? Do they have to be standing up, lying down? Does it matter? It doesn't matter because you're really not using gravity. You're creating a vacuum. Okay. Most, most of the time, my patients are seated. Okay. So I'm able to decongest their legs, even though they're seated in a dependent position. See, when I read up about that and it was talking about draining fluid, I thought you actually had to stick something into the ankle to drain it. <laughs> but you're, sim- you're moving the skin, like you said, from the foot in the direction of the kidney. Yes. Literally, my hand stays in place, but I simply stretch the skin and then release it. And so I do this this technique. It's a manual technique. So that's part one of complete decongestive therapy, which you call the gold standard. You said there's four steps. So what's step number two? Yes. So step number two would be skin care. I'll teach my patients to uh, moisturize their skin or doing skin sweeps where you put the lotion on your hand and just sweep up sweep up the entire leg, again, going toward the kidneys. So a skin sweep also helps to mobilize the fluid, and then it helps to moisturize the skin to prevent cracks in the skin, which can be portals for infection. Okay. This is interesting stuff. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, you hear lotion, you're like, ah, you're just being fancy with the lotion, but there's a reason that you would use lotion. That's right. So you could do a skin sweep without lotion, which is a really good way to mobilize the fluid. And then you can then add lotion next to moisturize the skin. And you're using the lotion to prevent infection or a possible infection. All right. So what's step number three of complete decongestive therapy? So step number three would be compression. So um, I have I have questions about this, but you go on, Elizabeth. Okay. (laughs) so um, compression is vital. So um, I recommend either a Jobst activewear compression sock, uh, which can provide anywhere between 15 to 20 millimeters of mercury of compression or 20 to 30. Or if your patient has trouble donning and doffing um, compression socks, the Faro 4000 Velcro wrap is something that I use a lot. So it can provide 30 to 40 millimeters of mercury of compression, and then it can be easier because of the Velcro straps. See, I used to fly a lot, and someone, I forget when, they said, oh, you should wear compression socks. And I thought- That's correct. I thought, why? Like, what, what, what does it do? So what does the compression sock do? Now, this was me in my 20s going into my 30s, and I thought, is it some type of like sock that has a button on it that makes it go back and forth, like it's actually <laughs> compressing? But it's just like sort of a, a tight pantyhose-like sock. But what does it do? Okay. So, so a compression sock provides low-resting pressure. So when you're sitting on the airplane, you're, you're being sedentary mm-hmm. um, and the pressure from, you know, I guess being up in the atmosphere can cause a compressive effect on your legs. And, and it, it can cause things like varicose veins. It could, you could technically get a blood clot, you know, when you're, when you're stationary for a long time on the airplane. So that's why it's recommended to wear compression socks, um, you know, when you're going to be immobile for long periods of time or when you're up in the air just to counter that pressure from from being up in the sky so the the sock is basically keeping everything a little bit tighter it's keeping the fluid mobile it's it's preventing that stagnation so here's how i think of it in my simple brain i think of the leg as a soggy noodle and with the compression sock it turns that soggy noodle into a straw so fluids can travel more easily is that a uh, is that a terrible analogy? No, that's not <laughs> terrible. Actually, you would ideally. I mean, if you already had, okay, if you already had lymphedema, you would start to mobilize the lymphedema with the manual lymphatic drainage. So you don't actually use a compression sock to decongest the leg. Okay, you use the compression sock to prevent swelling from occurring. All right, so it's okay? a preventative so measure. That counter, that counter pressure would prevent swelling from occurring okay. in spite of the fact that you're being sedentary on, right. a, on a long airplane ride. So you you advocate the compression sock. Absolutely. Do you do you wear the compression sock? If I were going to I used to live in Japan. If I were flying to Japan again, I would definitely be wearing a 15 to 20 millimeters of mercury Job's active wear compression sock. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. There's, there's a reason you're a lymphedema specialist for quotes like that. Yes. And then what is the fourth step in complete decongestive therapy? Okay. So the fourth step is 
exercise. Yes. So, yeah. So the compression sock provides a low active pressure. So when you're seated, your compression sock is providing a, a light amount of counter pressure. But then when you get up and walk, the compression sock provides high active pressure. So the sock works with your gastroc muscle, with your calf muscle. Together, they work effectively to really pump that fluid up toward the kidneys. Those are the four steps in complete decongestive therapy. And That's then, correct. Then, Elizabeth, after treatment, how do you then evaluate? And you sent me something that talked about the stemmer sign. So can you take okay. me through the stemmer sign? Yes. So the stemmer sign is when you, you take off someone's socks and shoes and you're going to look at their toes and you're going to see if you can lift the skin, just pinch the skin off the top of the toe. If you're able to, you know, pinch the skin, then that's a negative stemmer sign and that can rule out lymphedema for the toes. Okay. Um, if the toe is like a sausage and you cannot pick the skin up off of the toe, then that's a positive stemmer sign. And that does indicate lymphedema in the toe. And then are you constantly measuring parts that have lymphedema? Like, would you measure the girth of an ankle and then maybe come back a few days later and measure it again? I would measure them when I evaluate them. And then I would remeasure them every four weeks. Okay. You know, so I don't do a lot of measuring. You know, if you're following the four steps, then you are progressing. You can measure, you know, every four weeks, but you don't have to get bogged down in a lot of frequent measuring. Because I would assume that if you're a lymphedema specialist like you are, you could probably eyeball a lot of things. Yes. So, so a great way to eyeball things is to look at someone's ankles. If you look at someone's ankles, you, sh you should see a tapered ankle and you should be able to visibly see the malleoli. If someone has a lot of lymphedema around the ankle, you may not be able to even observe the ankle bones, nor will you see a tapered ankle. You'll see more of like a column where the ankle could be the same size as the calf. So you can definitely see how this excess fluid around the ankle can affect their fall strategies. You know, your ankle strategies are the first line of defense for a fall. And if you don't have that nice, quick, mobile ankle, uh, you know, your patient can be at risk for falls. Other ways to address lymphedema other than the stemmer sign is um, I like to go right above the medial malleoli, and then you can check for pitting edema, where you just press your thumb into the ankle right above the malleoli, and it'll, it'll create a pit. You know, it'll be an, an, an indention from that thick swelling. And then you can time it with a stopwatch, see how long it takes for the pitting to resolve. And then you can rate it, and it's, it's in your evaluation, where you can click pitting edema under the skin integrity section of the evaluation. And so if the pitting takes between five and 30 seconds to resolve, then that's plus three pitting edema. If it takes more than 30 seconds, it's a plus four pitting edema. And is there any point where if it takes too long, you're like, uh-oh, like this isn't good? <laughs> well, it's really not good if, 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 if it's so fibrotic, uh -huh. ideally. It, could be, it can become fibrotic where the skin becomes leather and no longer pits because their skin has changed. 
So that's a really serious problem. I hardly ever see that, but that can occur in, uh, you know, they will see that in wound clinics and lymphedema clinics. So Elizabeth, we know that diet and exercise always seem to be the key for most things in life, but how difficult is it to sell that on a patient who might have trouble sticking to routines? So let's say they did have lymphedema, you went through the complete decongestive therapy, you went through the steps. Now you say, hey, like you gotta continue to exercise, have a good diet. How hard is it to sell that on a patient who might be resistant? Well, I'll try to have conversations with them and ask them why they're resistant. It could be something as simple as um, they have trouble cutting their food, they, they may have cognitive impairments, they may be lonely, They may have isolated themselves because they have lymphedema that might be draining. Uh, They could have weeping fluid. I mean, so these will cause huge social issues of why they're not going to feel comfortable going to the dining room. So yes, I think you have to talk to your patients and gain their trust. These can be personal issues or embarrassing issues. You know, over time, uh, when you gain their trust, you can try to find what's going on behind their resistance and just try to set small goals and help them feel supported and include family and friends and include OT and speech and have a good integrated team. Elizabeth, thanks for all the info. We're going to take a quick break. And I, I have a couple more questions for you before you leave today. Can you stick around for one more segment? Absolutely. All right. More with Elizabeth Garfield next on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. As we take a quick reset, I just want to remind everyone that it's still physical therapy month all month long, hence its title. So make sure you celebrate that special PT in your life, whether it be Elizabeth Garfield or Brian Fuzetti. And also to celebrate Physical Therapy Month, all month long on our Instagram page, that is Fox underscore Rehabilitation, we will be spotlighting various Fox Rehabilitation physical therapists. So make sure you check that out on Fox's Instagram page. If you like a story, feel free to leave a comment. Don't worry, I'm not gonna demand that you smash the like button, but if you see something you like, feel free to like it. And like I said, if you're compelled to leave a comment, leave a comment. It's Physical Therapy Month, all month long in the month of October. We are back on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. I am chatting with Fox physical therapist and lymphedema specialist, Elizabeth Garfield. So I saw that in one of the emails you sent me, lymphedema specialist. So how did you get into this? How did you become a lymphedema specialist? Why lymphedema? Well, I was working in a skilled nursing facility and I was very interested in skin and wound care. This was during a time where PTs were kind of pushed out of doing wound care and the physician and the nurse on the wound care team really did not know what to do with me. Uh, I I wanted to do rounds with them. I, I was not really given a lot of encouragement at first from the wound care team or my manager, unfortunately. 
Uh, but then I, I had another manager who came and also the wound care doctor at the skilled nursing facility. He recommended that I become a lymphedema therapist. And he, it was actually excellent advice. And then I ended up going to Monarch the lymphedema school in Blacksburg, Virginia. So actually becoming a lymphedema therapist was was great advice because again, the lymphatic system and the skin are the same functional unit. And the reason that we are not getting great outcomes currently with wounds and infections is because the lymphatic system again is being ignored and being underutilized. You know, my main passion of being Uh, treating the skin and wounds um, really helped me learn a lot about lymphedema. But then I also love working with older people. And I love showing how treating the lymphatic system can be tied to many things, including basic functional mobility and balance. So today I'm just trying to pitch it to the mainstream clinician who may not be interested in skin and wound care issues, but just to really looking at balance from a very, very unique lens today. Now, is there a lymphedema community? Like, do you know other like-minded clinicians who you can kind of bounce things off of? Yes. Um, I have clinicians who will email me and ask me, you know, how they can become a lymphedema therapist. And I do recommend uh, Monarch LLC in Blacksburg, Virginia, uh, taught by Carmen Recuprio. She's excellent. But I also, yes, I talk with any clinicians who have patients on their caseload who can reach out to me. Clinicians in Northern Virginia reach out to me all the time. I'm known as the go-to for lymphedema and wounds. And I'm happy to be a resource for anybody on the Fox team. Can we can we give out your email address right now? Absolutely. So you can just start evaluating your own patients through a different lens and you can uncover lymphedema and start just doing basic treatment for them, just helping them get compression, helping them wear the proper compression socks, um, helping them use the sizing chart to make sure that they have the right size compression instead of using their weight or their shoe size, which is inappropriate. Teaching them that diuretics are inappropriate for lymphedema. It's not part of the gold standard, um, the the four components that I discussed. Talking to their physician about maybe weaning off of diuretics Uh, for lymphedema. And if they're taking diuretics for cardiac issues or blood pressure, that's fine. But diuretics are not appropriate uh, to treat lymphedema. So if anyone wants to reach out to Elizabeth, your email is elizabeth.garfield at foxrehab.org. And that is Elizabeth with a Z. Elizabeth, before you go, what are your hobbies? What gets you going when you're off the clock? When I'm off the clock, I love to go dancing. I love to dance bachata and salsa. Oh, (laughs) all right. Have you ever traveled abroad? I went to Barcelona many years ago before I knew how to dance, but I wish I would love to go back to Europe. Uh, And I I also want to go to Belize. Now, how did did you get into those styles of dance? (laughs) Well, there's Dance King in Leesburg, uh, Virginia, right out about 15 minutes from my house. And um, I just started taking dance lessons with them. And we have a great little group there. Uh, It's been a great exercise, a lot of fun, really challenging. Dancing is an excellent exercise. It's a real workout, a lot of fun. Well, if you're ever in New York City, give me a call because bachata is big around here. Yes, it is. Oh, yes. I would love to dance with you, Jim. That sounds great. 
<laughs> well, Elizabeth, thanks for all the info today. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Yes. So for Elizabeth Garfield, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later. <laughs> <laughs>